Welcome into another edition of the Deep Slant Podcast presented by Xfinity. It's week 14. The Texans are looking to get back in the winning column here in December, uh, late in the season. Last quarter of games remaining, they will try to do so against the Chicago Bears on a six-game losing skid up at Soldier Field. I have to say I'm very sad I'm actually not going to the game because I'll be covering it here from inside the stadium doing our pregame show, Texans Unlimited, presented by Verizon. And that's kind of been the case this year with COVID. What a weird, weird season it's been. It's been weird for the Texans. It's been pretty weird for the Bears. And uh, you know what? It's been very weird for the rookies as well. And in this podcast, I had a chance to sit down with Jonathan Grenard, outside linebacker. He is a rookie that's getting a lot of snaps here late in the season. We chat about what a weird OTAs. I've said weird like four times. Weird OTAs in training camp it was. He got hurt in camp, missed the first three games of the season, but then bounced back and has uh, done some nice things on the field, had a sack, a quarterback hit um, against the Patriots in that win, and uh, seems to have gotten things moving as far as his game is going. We'll catch up with him and a little bit on his background and where he came from. He used to play with Lamar Jackson in Louisville, and then he transferred to Florida for a graduate um, year of, of playing football, and he's actually only 18 credit hours away from getting his MBA. I did not get a chance to ask him about that, but I probably will before the offseason because I'm very curious to see if he goes back and gets those credit hours or what the offseason is going to look like for some of these guys. I'm pretty sure they have no idea right now, as do we, because we're only just trying to get through the season one game at a time. Well, also trying to get through this season one game at a time, the Chicago Bears, after starting off 5-1. and one, uh, They are in a little bit of trouble here in December, and they look to get things back on track. So I'll catch up with Adam Johns. He covers the Bears for The Athletic up in Chicago, and we'll chat about this Bears team. But first, Xfinity XFi gives you the speed, coverage, control, and security you need for the ultimate in-home Wi-Fi experience. Score with Internet that's more than just fast. Xfinity, proud partner of the Houston Texans, proud partner of the Deep Slant podcast. And uh, here we go. Let's chat with Jonathan Grenard. He's now John Grenard. And, uh, you know, he's just really laid back and uh, was great to chat with him, talk to him, catch up with him on his season and, and what's really gone into it. Because I think for a lot of these rookies, it's, it's, it's a pretty steep learning curve as it is heading into year one, and then to do so without really any on-field work up until camp. Um, it's it was They were starting behind the eight ball for sure, and then Grenard gets hurt in camp, and that really set him back a little bit more. But now that he's making his way onto the field um, due to injuries to other players and, and whatnot, you know, he's, he's really making the most of his opportunities. So had a, a good time catching up with him. So why don't you take a listen here, Jonathan Grenard, on the Deep Slant podcast presented by Xfinity. Welcome. And first of all, it's John and not Jonathan. I think I've called you Jonathan for many, many months. And I don't know when we all started calling you John, but here we are. It's right. John, right? Yeah, it's whatever y'all want to call it. You know, everybody out here, they, they get lazy. They don't want to say Jonathan, so I say John. <laughs> so how has your rookie year gone so far? I know it's just been a rookie season unlike any other for NFL rookies this year. But, you know, you've gone through three-fourths of the year. What's it been like for you? I know it's been full of ups and downs, but you're out on the field. You're making some plays. How, how are you feeling at this point in the season? I mean, it, obviously, we all know it's COVID has impacted us all, um, but it's definitely different. I, I enjoy every moment of it just because, you know, uh, I would let, like to have a regular season, but this is also um, a difficult season as it is. So, you know, I feel like almost with having an off season prior to coming to the game, to the uh, season, it would be a lot difficult. But Overall, I just take the little small things that I learn out of, you know, learn how to still get in a routine for a 16, 17 week season, you know, 
I mean, college at this point, we're pretty much getting ready for bowl game. And now here we are, we got four more games left. So to get my mind and get my body right is uh, one thing I definitely just looked up to the older guys in order to see how do they man- maintain throughout this whole process, you know, and what they're doing in their free time just to make sure that their mind is fine or their body's fine, just little things like that. So um, it's been difficult, but I, I wouldn't trade it for the world. I mean, this this taught me so much, you know, to even have the situation we're in with, you know, losing our coach and stuff like that um, and not having a season that we all were hoping to have. Um, it was also a lot humbling for us, and uh, it was definitely made us work a lot harder and hone in on the things that we need to uh, work on to get us better over the hump. Yeah, just a really an up and down season all around for 2020. And, and right. this off season, everything was virtual. It was OTAs, it was rookie mini camp, everything was virtual. And then finally you start getting some reps in training camp and you go out with an injury, which sort of sidelined you for the first three weeks of the season. So what was your mindset at that point of the season? Because obviously you're trying to get healthy, but you're trying mm-hmm. to remain positive. Right. You know, what were those few weeks like for you going through that? Uh, it was it was difficult. I mean, because you know, anytime you're out from the game, it's, it's something that you've been doing all your whole life is going to take make you um, set back a little bit mentally and physically. But my thing was just, you know, I was getting here. Obviously, we didn't have an off season, so reps were limited. And then obviously, with me going out with the injury, um, something that I kind of knew or not knew about, but something that I kind of had an idea of already coming from an ankle injury in college. Those are one of the things I was like, all right, well, now I got to sit, make sure I deal with this wholeheartedly and wholeheartedly, so that way I can make sure I'm 100% when I come back. Um, mentally, it was a, definitely a setback, but, you know, uh, being around the game and seeing how, they, how the guys work, you know, just staying in meetings, staying active, it, it doesn't let you get in the slumps. I mean, obviously, you can be worried about your independent goals that you want to achieve, um, but once a, once I seen the team and how we all just gelled together throughout this whole process, it made it that much easier for my time to come back and I'll make some well, plays. Well, you did come back, and then you made the most of your opportunities. You got your right. first career sack, your first career yeah. quarterback hit against yeah. the Patriots in that win, and, and Romeo yeah. Cornell said that you were really pumped about getting that sack. So yeah. how does that affect the confidence of a rookie? Obviously, you know you can play ball. You can do some some things on the field, but to get a sack against a guy like Cam Newton, does that sort of change your mentality at that point in the season? It definitely did. Uh, really, for me personally, um, you know, Cam, he's from Atlanta. You know, I'm a, I'm, I'm a hometown kid from Atlanta, Georgia. Um, and to, to be able to tackle him and I watched him growing up, um, going to his high school games, it was definitely a huge honor. Um, I know he might not like that a lot, but uh, definitely for myself, it was definitely it was refreshing and a lot of weight off my shoulders in a sense because, you know, they brought they brought me here to, to help the team out. And I finally could do something that um, I was brought here to do and help contribute to the team. Um, so it was definitely humbling. It was exciting. It was a rent full of emotions. But now, once that once that happened, I definitely knew that it was time to go back and get some more. So now, that all I did was just make me more hungry to get another uh, another sack or anything I can do to help TFL. You know, uh, it's freeing up one of my teammates. Anything, just being out there is going to be. Um, fun for me. Well, when J.J. Watt was at the podium a little bit earlier, he said every time you step out on the field, it's an opportunity. So with all of your opportunities, where do you think that you've seen the most improvement in your game? I know it's still early. It's still year one for you. But have you seen some growth or improvement and in, in, in what areas? I think just overall knowledge of the game and, and trusting the gut when you when you study film so much and you want to um, you get your tendencies on teams and stuff like that. Um, you kind of somewhat second guess at times because it's almost like it's too good to be true. You know, when you have a test and you study for it so hard and all of a sudden you look at the test and it's like, uh, you're going to just give it to me like that. It's one of those with just trusting your gut and understanding that when you prepare the way you prepare, things are going to happen the way you want them to happen. So sticking with my gut, I think just watching film, I've gotten a lot better. And I obviously just have more confidence. Like you said, after I got the sack, it helped my confidence a lot just to know the, the stuff I've been working on is, is definitely coming to fruition. So I got a long way to go. Um, I love how, 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 they, how, they, how they keep me humble, uh, obviously, with the older guys and the coaches as well. But I just love the fact that we're just still working instead of trying to get to our uh, common goal. I want to get to the, the veterans in a second, but you, you mentioned watching film. And I, 
And after you were drafted, you said something in your introductory press conference. You just sort of said it in passing, but it caught my attention. You said that you had been watching film from a really young age with your dad. And I want to say you said like five or six years old. Oh, yeah. Your dad would make you watch film of yourself. Is that, yeah. am I remembering this correctly? Yeah, you were perfectly correct. Me and my brother, we uh, play rec ball since, well, I started when I was four. He started when he was about six or seven. Um, and from the time, the first year we didn't record it, but the next year after that, we he recorded every single game, whether it was my dad or my sister. They recorded our games. I played running back pretty much my whole life. So I was been pretty much watching film of that. My brother, he played offensive line, so my dad was just working on him with, you know, technique, um, staying low and things like that. So pretty much watching film was a norm to us. Matter of fact, when if we didn't record the game, I was pissed off because I wanted <laughs> to see, you know, it was good times where film it was really bad, you know, and my dad had to get onto us. And I think that's what helped me get to the player I am now. I mean, it's just – and then with my mom, I mean, she's, she's sitting right there. I mean, even though she might not know a lot about the game at times, but she knows when I'm doing something wrong or I, she knows I didn't give my all or a certain play, something like that. She can tell. So whenever whenever they were in the film room, hey, we know it was time to get to it. Are you sort of a film junkie now because um, you've been doing it for so long? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's kind of like it's, it's routine. I mean, when I just it's just something I'll just be randomly just sitting there and I'll just click on the film and just watch something, whether it's our game or somebody else. You know, it could be a pass rusher or offensive tendencies. I just cut it on. I just like watch ball. All right. So you were at Louisville and then you transferred to Florida for a graduate year. What what do you think you got out of that extra year of, of, of playing in, in college? And why did you at that point not decide to come out into the NFL draft? Right. Um, so back in Louisville, I mean, pretty much Louisville taught me everything I knew. I mean, it was literally when I got to Florida, it was just icing on the cake. It was just my coach, Coach Grantham, at, uh, my defensive coordinator and my position coach. He pretty much was putting the finishing touches on myself pretty much to elevate my game to that next level that where I, I see myself going. Um, but being at Louisville, it was just definitely um, coming in and red shirting. I didn't play that first year. It was definitely new to me, humbling for me. And that's when I started just to, to look at, look up to the older guys and see how they, how they did. We had a, a really good uh, veteran class at that time um, with a lot of guys getting drafted. So I just looked up to them. And then when I got to actually that 2018 season, when we weren't so good, um, we ended up going through a lot kind of similar to here. We were lost our head coach, got fired with Coach Petrino. And then we had to go through that season, you know, just understanding how to fight, face adversity. And when I got hurt in 2018, actually it was the first game of my wrist. I pretty much missed it. Well, not pretty much. I missed the entire season. And I was going to come out initially after that season. I was going to be that year. I pretty much played 2018 to solidify my status of what the scouts were seeing. And then um, obviously God had a different plan for me. And I just basically followed it. And once uh, um, I got the call where I pretty much started looking up, looking elsewhere when that time was coming, I had to put myself and ask that question, Where, what school and what situation could I go into that's going to make me, my future um, what I want it to be? And I've seen Coach Grantham had an opportunity down there and uh, with they having two guys leaving. Uh, that elevated my game as soon as I stepped foot down there with, when it came to workouts. I mean, how fast these guys were, how strong these guys were. I mean, how big these guys were. I mean, obviously I'm fitting in with them size-wise, but I had to catch up with the speed, I had to catch up with the strength. And um, after day after day after day of just continuously grinding and working, and uh, it, it came to where I honestly didn't know, I didn't recognize myself when I'm out there playing 60, 70 plays straight of no – no breaks or none of that. And to be playing at full strength come fourth quarter, that's when I knew that, okay, I've elevated my game uh, to the to the place where I think that I can go even further from here. All right. So you reunited then with your, your former coach and, oh, yes, sir. and all's yes. well that ends well. What about now here? Because you, you said you you modeled your game a little bit after J.J. Watt or you, you watched him a lot in college. Right. So what's it like playing alongside him? I mean, he's in year 10. He's still making Man. big plays. What have you learned just from watching another veteran in the locker room? Like yeah, that? it was – even to this day, you saying that it's still crazy to even see me on the field with a with a with a 
a certified gold jacket. So a guy like him, just watching him, how he prepares, you know, um, that's a guy that's, it doesn't matter we're winning or losing. He's still foot to the gas. I mean, it, it doesn't matter if we could have won. He's still angry. He still could be thinking about something that happened and he could have done this better, you know, and that mindset there, uh, even though he's, he's his own worst critic. And I think that's one thing I like about him the most is no matter what, how many plays he's made, whether he got a hundred sacks or 200 sacks or no sacks, he's still going to be going as if he's chasing his first set. Or, you know, if he's going for a run play, he's still playing this run play as it's just a, the first run game. And he's seen this play multiple times. So how he plays so hard, you know, Whitney Mercer is another guy, too, that is kind of an unsung hero. A lot of people don't talk about him. Whit's a guy that's respected well around his league. His, his pass rushing skills, he's kind of a he's kind of a, a, a dual threat almost. And he can stop the run and he can also obviously rush, rush the passer pretty well. Um, but now he's gotten older in his game to where now he's digging in his toolbox and make sure – uh, these guys are standing on their toes so they know he might not be the fastest, but you have to worry about this movement and he may hit you with a quickness. You know, it's just guys like that, they they open up their arsenal so much because they prepare and they they, they hone in on their craft over on the offseason. And guys like him and JJ um, are people that I pretty much look up to and have been looking up to uh, since I've been uh, playing ball. All right, now how about for yourself? You've gotten through a big chunk of the season now, but you got one quarter of it left. So what what are some goals that you've got just heading into this final month of the season just to put a bow on your rookie year? Yeah, uh, obviously, just I want to stay healthy as much as possible um, and be the great, the best teammate, honestly. I mean, whether I am get a lot more reps or I get less reps, it doesn't matter for me. At this point, I'm just trying to make sure that I do everything to solidify what we have going on here and understand moving forward um, how we want to be and how we, how we want to finish this season. So um, whether it's 100 snaps or no snaps, I'm going to be going 100% no matter what. So um, whatever comes with it, as far as goals, I haven't really set too many goals for myself. But the main goal I have is just whatever opportunity I get, is just take full advantage of it. All right, looking forward to it. Thanks so much for the time and best of luck for the rest of the season, John. Thank you again. Have a good one. All right, John Grenard, a.k.a. Jonathan, a.k.a. John, whatever you want to call him. He's very laid back about it right here on the Deep Slant Podcast presented by Xfinity. I am going to ask him about that NBA. And isn't that crazy? His dad was making him watch film when he was five, six years old. He used to play running back. But uh, I think that really says a lot about his his work ethic. Romeo Cornell talks a lot about his strength and what he's been able to do on the field. And just, uh, you know, just a guy that's hungry to learn and hungry to get his reps and to do whatever he can to help this team win and he'll get his chance on Sunday as the Texans head to Chicago to face the Bears. I caught up with Adam Johns of the Athletic up in Chicago to find out what's going on with this Bears team because it was uh Mitch Trubisky, then it was Nick Foles. They've had a lot of quarterback issues. They've had a lot of injuries on their team, but uh, their defense is pretty healthy and they've been struggling as well. So uh, we had a chance to catch up with him and find out what's going on with this Bears team and what to expect for Sunday's matchup. Welcome in, Adam. It's great to have you. I know it's not the season either of these two teams wanted, but here we are in December. So let, let's talk about these Bears, shall we? Because 5-1 and one to start the season, and now they're in the midst of a six-game losing skid. I mean, what's the attitude like in Chicago, and, and what's that roller coaster been like? <laughs> I actually think the Bears are, 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 should be thankful right now that there are no fans allowed in Soldier Field because they would be being, they would be booed quite harshly right now. It's gotten that bad, DP. Um, I think we all expected some offensive struggles this season, but at least recently it's been the defensive decline, the, the lack of production from Khalil Mack and Eddie Jackson, the, the superstars of this team. It's been really frustrating for the organization right now. Two very bad losses against the Lions and Packers, especially on defense. Definitely going to get to you more about the defense, but you know, what's the attitude like now? You've got four more games left in the season. The Bears 
um, can try to turn the losing skit around. They probably playoffs may be out of reach, but what's just the general attitude now in December? Yeah, Bears coach Matt Nagy has been using this message, personal pride. Let's have some personal pride in how we, we prepare, how we coach this team, how we play on the field, everything we do. Let's have some personal pride. And really, that's what it's come down to. The, the playoffs don't look like a realistic possibility, even though the Bears are one game out. It's going to take a lot of help for that to have, for that to, to really come to fruition. So have some personal pride. Let that show in every action that you have. That's the message right now from Matt Nagy. We'll see what that comes to be on the field against Deshaun Watson. All right, well, let's talk about the Bears quarterback situation because we've all watched it rather closely this offseason. They bring in Nick Foles. It starts off with Mitchell Trubisky. Then he gets benched. Foles comes in. There's been injuries between the two of them. And now it looks like that Mitchell Trubisky is the starter once again. So how did he do? I know the Bears lost on Sunday against the Lions, but it seemed like the offense was moving the ball, doing some things well. Uh, what does Trubisky offer the offense maybe that, that Foles doesn't? Well, Matt Nagy called that Lions loss as bad as it was, especially in those final five minutes, the best game by far. That's by far for the offense. So that's a significant statement considering he benched Trubisky all the way back in week three, and he stuck for Nick. He stuck with Nick Foles for that long for for seven starts that weren't very good for Foles whatsoever. So he brings a little bit more in terms of athleticism. The offense does look different in terms of play calls, in terms of getting him on the move, doing things more with his feet. Uh, the run game is a bit different too. That's been productive. Uh, with Trubisky under center. That was true in the beginning of the season, and it's true right now in the past two games, his past two starts against the Packers and the Lions. So that should st uh, stay the same against the Texans. But, yeah, I think uh, right now the storyline in Chicago with this game, especially with Trubisky getting it at this start, it's, it's what we all wanted. It's Mitch Trubisky versus Deshaun Watson because we know that's a big storyline here in Chicago. Both of those quarterbacks coming out in the same draft, and uh, there was a lot of chatter about them that offseason. I remember it well. And it will be fun. There's the first they, they, they face off for the first time, really, in their yeah. NFL careers. You mentioned play calling. So let's talk about that, because I know Matt Nagy handed off the play calling duties to his offensive coordinator, Bill Lazor. Does the offense look much different with Lazor calling the plays? How has it changed? It looked different against the, the Lions, and maybe that's Trubisky and him getting comfortable with each other. Maybe it's more input from Trubisky after you know him coming back from a, a shoulder injury as well. So there's a lot of layers to that Trubisky conversation that you have to get through. But yeah, the, the whole decision to to give that play calling those play calling responsibilities to Bill Lazor that's that was an effort from Matt Nagy, maybe a desperate effort from Matt Nagy to to really fix this offense where, where change is just needed, where enough is enough. It's time to try something different. What's going on is not working. So let's give Bill Lazor, who has play calling, uh, who, who has a play calling history with the Dolphins and the Bengals. Let's give him a shot. Um, it was better against the Lions, significantly better against the Lions than it was against the Packers. But sometimes the opponent matters too. The Lions don't have the best defense in the NFL right now. The Packers are a tad bit better and they do have Aaron Rodgers. So there's other factors to, to take in, uh, into account, especially when looking at the Bears offense and who's calling plays. All right. The run game, it suffered its own share of injuries. Tariq Cohen went out uh, on injured reserve early on in the season, but it seems like second year back, David Montgomery's really stepped up nicely in his place and been kind of a bright spot for that offense. He's averaging 4.1 yards per carry. Uh, what does he bring to the run game? He's a very violent runner. You're going to have to, to come after him in, in, in waves to get him down. He, he doesn't go down easily. doesn't go down with arm tackles. Very violent in most everything he does. Like every carry he has, there's a, there's a tad of violence 
to it. And Bears fans love that, especially with Walter Payton, you know, being such a legend here, having that statue outside Soldier Field. So David Montgomery has really endeared himself to a lot of fans for his running style. He'll definitely bring that uh, against the, the Texans. To me, the biggest takeaway in terms of, of Montgomery's production over the past couple of weeks is actually having some stability and some continuity on that offensive line. They finally have found something that works. It's been a big problem all year long, a lot of injuries, some COVID-19 concerns as well, but they finally have a combination up front where it all starts. We, we know that, DP, up front where things are clicking, where there's some continuity, where there's some chemistry working in the trenches. All right, well, let's stick with the offense a little bit longer because Allen Robinson, he's uh, really led the team as far as receiving yards, 904 receiving yards, five touchdowns. Even with all the quarterback changes, he's been really productive on the field. So what has really stood out to you about Allen Robinson this year? Yeah, well, there's a couple ways I could go with this. Like he's coming off a game where he made a four-yard reception on a third and five play in the final seconds against the Lions where if he makes that first down, the Bears get a couple shots at the end zone or maybe having a different conversation right now. Maybe the Bears some some way somehow pull out a miraculous victory against the Lions. But instead, he gets four yards when the first down was there. Um, so right now in Chicago, I think fans are, are kind of upset with him because they missed an opportunity there. But overall, he's probably been their most consistent threat offensively. Um, I, I think that's actually safe to say he's been that reliable, no matter who's at quarterback, he's been their best player on offense, but he does leave you wanting more, a little bit more, whether that's it's that third down play against the Lions, whether it's losing a jump ball in the end zone against the Packers. He's lost a couple uh, of jump balls this season where defenders have made interceptions by actually pulling the ball away from him. So even though he is the Bears' best player, um, by far offensively, maybe one of their best players overall on this team, he's, he's still had a season that leaves you a, wanting a bit more because of close calls like that, close plays where it could have gone either way. All right. Well, let's switch gears and talk about that Bears defense because you alluded to it a little bit earlier. They've just not really stood up to some of the expectations, and they had a lot of high expectations. Yeah. That pass rush led by Khalil Mack and Akeem Hicks and Robert Quinn, um, they've struggled in the past two games, but was there something different in that 5 and one stretch where they were playing so well? I mean, what what seemed to have changed over the course of the season for them? Yeah, it's it's quite the mystery because they've invested so much money in this defense, really at all three levels, draft capital too. They This is where the team is built. Like this is supposed to be their strength. Cleo Mack is a, is a superstar, one of the best defenders in the league, but his numbers just aren't there. He's not close to, to leading the league in sacks right now. Robert Quinn hasn't had a sack hasn't touched the quarterback, really, I don't think, since his first snap for the Bears, all the way going back to, to week two. So that's a baffling stat, especially when you see, you know, Leonard Floyd, who, is, who Robert Quinn replaced, having a big season for the Los Angeles Rams right now. So there's a lot of questions about this defense because there's a lot of money uh, spent on this defense. And uh, Chuck Pagano, the defensive coordinator, is under some fire right now, but Matt Nagy's under some fire right now in Chicago. So uh, I don't know if he's getting a pass, but there is some added scrutiny to what he's doing in terms of his play calls, in terms of his game plans, in terms of how aggressive he's getting after quarterbacks right now, especially after what the Lions and Packers have done to that defense. All right. I want to ask you about inside linebacker Roquan Smith. He's actually part of our next gen stat presented by AWS. He's top five in the league amongst tacklers. He has 110 heading into week 14. So just a top 10 draft pick a few years ago. How does his presence affect the middle of that defense and what does he bring? 
Yeah, DP, this is the feel-good story this year for the Bears. This is a player who who had some questions about his first two years, trying to find his way in the NFL. Did, did He looked lost at, at times. And, and last year, he missed a game because of personal reasons, and it took him a, a couple games to get back into the flow of the game. This year, he's been one of the Bears' best defenders. He's taken over the play calls in the middle of the defense. He's on the field for every single play and every single game. He's been good, too. A lot of tackles for loss, a lot of impact plays. He's had some sacks, too. He's all over the field. He's got that sideline the sideline speed that you want out of modern-day linebackers. He's great in coverage as well. So if you're ranking the feel-good stories for the Bears right now, it's Roquan Smith, number one, because the Bears, they love their linebackers. Dick Buckus, Brian Urlacher, Mike Singletary. This is a franchise that loves its linebackers, and Roquan Smith just happens to be the next great one. Well, another feel-good story I think has got to be the specialist, your return teams in uh, Cordero Patterson. He's just had an outstanding season. I've only caught a few Bears games this year, but it seems like Whenever he's returning the ball, it's always a big play with a big gain, a lot of yards. What makes him so elusive? And are you surprised that teams continue to kick to him? <laughs> he's had a few teams. Um, he's scared a few teams. Uh, let, let's say that every week you, you see the short kick, you see the long kicks out of the end zone. He's that good. He's one of the best returners of all time. And we know returners well in the city because we've had Devin Hester. Like he, he was the superstar of superstars when it comes to kick returners. So we, we know what we're talking about here in Chicago. And Cordell or Patterson, he's right up there. He may not be as good as Hester, but he, he he's up there in terms of the kick return game. Devin Hester was a great punt returner. Cordell Patterson might be the better kick returner. So obviously the Texans should be scared of him. The, the stats speak for themselves. The production speaks for themselves. He opened the game against the Lions with a big return. And he's turning out to be quite the, the productive running back as well. The Bears found a, a role for him in that situation, or at least in terms of having him be the backup for David Montgomery. So he's been a good free agent signing for Ryan Pace and the Bears. And, and yeah, safe to say he's one of the best returners of all time. So don't kick to him, Texans. <laughs> I was going to say, I don't know why anybody's been kicking to him, but maybe there's something out there that I'm missing. All right, Adam, I know it's a busy week for you all. What stories are you working on for The Athletic this week? Yes. You know, right now, the the scrutiny of, of Matt Nagy and his play calls are definitely a big storyline. But to, to me, it's the Deshaun Watson, Mitch Trubisky storyline that I think takes precedence over everything. We all know the story here very well in Chicago. The Bears traded up to number two, not to draft Deshaun Watson, who was coming off a national title and a successful career at, at Clemson, not to draft uh, Patrick Mahomes, but to draft Mitchell Trubisky, who's had his ups and downs here in Chicago. Obviously, we just talked about him being benched in favor of Nick Foles this year. Deshaun Watson is one of the best young quarterbacks in the game going right now. He's one of the most exciting players, one of the best leaders in the NFL right now. Different stories unfolding right now here for the Bears. I think the Bears would love to have Deshaun Watson, but obviously they got quarterback concerns. So that Deshaun Watson, Mitch Trubisky storyline is number one here right now in Chicago. It certainly is a good one, but I got to say people in Houston and Texans fans are very happy that that unfolded the way <laughs> in 2017 because this team's gone through its own share of quarterback struggles. Adam, thank you so much for the time. Always a pleasure. Look forward to seeing you soon. Happy to help. I think Adam is certainly right. The Mitch Trubisky, Deshaun Watson storyline is certainly one that's been sort of uh, pervading, permeating um, the, the storylines this week. Even in Houston, Deshaun Watson was asked about it on Wednesday quite a bit about what he thought about the the Bears passing up on him. And, you know, he didn't, he didn't take the bait. He didn't really say much. Uh, but certainly not for lack of trying. A lot of people were, were trying to find out, you know, what his thoughts were heading into this game because 
you know, Trubisky, uh, the, the Bears traded up to number two to get him. And they could have had Deshaun Watson, but they didn't. And they, they didn't really show much interest in him during the draft process. But Deshaun said, you know, hey, all's well that ends well. He's happy where he is with the Houston Texans. And, hey, you know what? We are really happy he's here in Houston as well. So looking forward to another great game. He's been a lot of fun to watch this season, even in a losing season like the one the Texans have had. And uh, I think it was very gut-wrenching for him to lose against Indianapolis the way that the Texans did. So looking to see this Texans team bounce back and uh, not allow the Bears to snap their losing streak. That'll be something that we'll be watching for on Sunday. And if you want to tune in for the pregame show, Texans Unlimited presented by Verizon. I won't be at Soldier Field freezing. I will be inside Energy Stadium, inside of our studios, and we'll be bringing you, but we're bringing you live shots of the field as the players warm up, actives, inactives, uh, you know, what roster moves have happened. It seems like every Saturday roster moves are happening and players are moving off IR onto the active roster from the practice squad to the active roster. We'll bring you all of that. We'll answer your fan questions. We do it all. It's it's a pretty packed pregame show, so you want to check that out. And you know what? You can download the Houston Texans mobile app. You can follow us on YouTube. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, wherever uh, wherever there's social media our, our show is on. And you can catch all of our coverage. So with that, that's going to do it for our podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Stay safe out there. And as always, go Texans.